0: I'm so glad you're in Sunday school on this precipice of Merry Christmas, all right? We're between Thanksgiving and and Christmas, and it's a really sweet little pause. It's just a little pause. So turn to the lady next to you and just say, relax, relax. (laughs) It is that pause. I'm going to apologize right now. For the dozens of these that I'm going to go through, it is, it is not pleasant to watch somebody do this, but there is no other option. I've done everything I can do, starting with allergy pills and all my vitamins, and you know how it is. It's just this time of year, and this time of year has been really bad for me this season, Uh, worse I can ever remember. So um, bear with me on that. All right, we're going to begin. We're going to begin. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because it's what our lesson in between Thanksgiving and Christmas is going to be about this morning. Oh, wow, look at him. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you. And, yes, this is the... Yes. yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, pal. Yep. He's, he tells me now I'm an old man, Mom. And I said, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so I was fixing his tie and buttoning up some things there this morning. And, and I'm saying, birthday boy, birthday boy. And he said, no, 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 no. Son, son. I said, okay, birthday, son, birthday, son. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's all good. So I'm going to ask you a question. You give me the answer. If it's knee high by the 4th of July, what is it? It's what our Sunday school lesson is all going to be about this morning. And I can't wait, I can't wait to share these spiritual truths that have been so good to my heart and I know will be so good to your heart. First of all, Corn, lip-smacking, butter-drenched, seasoned with salt, Michigan corn. Mmm, the subject of corn for today, I need to begin with a corny joke. It's my favorite Thanksgiving joke. What do you get when you cross an ostrich with a turkey? You get a bird that sticks its head in the mashed potatoes. (laughs) Isn't that good? So here we go with our corn. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this delightful moment. Father, may we make it eternal by glorifying you in it, by applying your truth to our head and our heart with the purpose of living it. Father, thank you. Thank you for making us family. Thank you for making us eternal Thank you for all the temporal gifts that we have in this day, Lord, even as we think about corn and feasting and and the joy of a Thanksgiving meal that we were able to enjoy Thursday. And, Lord, most of all, thank you for the gift of your love, the idea of family that was your idea. You adopted us. Father, I thank you for each lady. I thank you for their desire to learn. And, Father, may you teach us now as we open up your word and as we think about this um, delightful thing that you made for our enjoyment, corn, in thy precious name, amen. Amen. I'm using corn because, first of all, we can taste and see. I love visual aids. I am very much a visual person. But I'm also going to talk about corn a little bit this morning because had it not been for the history of these kernels, you and I would not be here. We would not be here were are not for the history of these kernels because had it not been for Squanto, that compassionate Indian sharing his knowledge with that first group of settlers that came on how to take the fish remains and plant it around the corn to, to have a bountiful crop, they never would have survived that last winter. Even at that, they had dwindled down to a last few, and it was through Squanto's compassionate effort, this stranger walking in and having compassion on those he didn't know, probably even feared, and showed them how they could live. I love <laughs> that story. Um, Diane gave me, Diane Kay gave me this book on Thanksgiving, and it talks about, oh, it's all the true facts. It's all the true facts. It's an amazing book. On A Time to Remember Thanksgiving. I had so much fun reading that, going through that last week. But it was all because of Squanto's generosity and compassionate heart in teaching the pilgrims how to plant corn with the remains of fish that allowed them to survive. So, the spiritual parallel I want to draw with this is had someone not shared the good seed with you and me, we would have not survived. We would have died in our sin. We would have lived a hopeless, helpless life. But someone shared the good seed with you and me so that I could have life, and not just life, but fruit. Um, had it not been hearing the gospel at church and then my mom showing me how I could receive Jesus as my personal Savior... Because I knew I was a sinner, even at five years old. And I knew there would be a payment. And Mom said, Kathy, Jesus came to pay your payment. And all he says is, child, confess your sin, ask me to be your Savior. And now, I have eternal life. And I have a life this side of heaven that is blessed by God. So with this corn in mine, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about who have you shared the seed with? Who have you shared? Apart from it, James 1.5, we would stay this dried, shriveled up, encrusted kernel, living on and for short-term worldly highs, addicted to self, we, we are born addicted to self, and self, when it is finished, what does it bring forth, girls? It brings forth death. Self, self-addiction. But praise God, we don't live there. Um, so, yes, while this kernel is life, it's not what it is meant to be. God is the maker of all life, but he means for us to be so much more than just this hard-encrusted kernel. This kernel is meant to grow and bring forth. It's the same way with you and me. God means for us to be more than saved. He means for us to grow and bring forth fruit. So he says, grow, grow. Matter of fact, with, with, with uh, corn, what does it do? It pops. God literally wants us to pop with spiritual life. He wants us to pop with spiritual life. He wants us to go from hard, hard, to tender. He wants us to go from dark to light, bland to tasty, to be covered and coated with flavor. What do you do on top of your popcorn? There are so many things we do on top of our, first of course, butter is the first answer, but then there's caramel and there's all kinds of flavorings that you put on popcorn. Matter of fact, when you walk into a department store and somebody is popping popcorn, they know what they are doing. You walk in there with children. The first thing they say, Mom, Grandma, can we get some popcorn? It is the very aroma, it's the smell that draws you to wanting to be a partaker. And, girls, in the same way, God means for us to become a sweet-smelling savor, not just a dried-up kernel of life that he has saved, but to become so much more a sweet-smelling savor. So with that in mind... I want you to turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 4 because what stops us from popping? What stops us from becoming more? Matthew 13 and verse 4, we're going to talk about the different seeds, the kernels that have fallen. The first one is the one that falls by the wayside. Falls by the wayside. Jesus explains it this way. The fowls came and devoured them up. The seeds that fell by the wayside. Now these seeds were saved. These these this seed that Jesus is referring to, they've received him, but they have fallen by the wayside. How does that happen? Well, there's a great deceiver out seeking whom he may devour. First Peter 5:8, the great devourer, the great Satan himself is looking for newborn again Christians who have fallen by the wayside. What's our protection from falling by the wayside? Our protection is the prayer of David. Make a footnote or turn to Psalm 143.8. Here's a great verse for you to learn this week. This protects me from falling by the wayside. And by the way, my dear sisters in Christ, there is not a day that goes by that Satan does not strive with everything in him to get you and me to fall by the wayside. Now, we are on our way to heaven if we've received Christ as Savior. There's nothing he can do about that. But there is so much that he wants to do. So much that he wants to do to destroy your influence, to destroy your aroma, to destroy your ability to tell others about Jesus. Psalm 143, verse 8, David prayed this. No wonder David was a man after God's own heart. You know, he prayed this on purpose because he knew the vulnerability of falling by the wayside. And he prays, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Isn't that beautiful? Cause me to, so start your day. Why? Because Satan's going to do everything he can do to you, to get you to fall by the wayside. First thing in the morning. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Our protection from falling by the wayside is immediately in the morning. And you know the saying we say in Sunday school, when your te- when your feet touch the floor, get in touch with your Father immediately. Father, let this day be dedicated to you. I don't want to fall by the wayside. I know stuff's going to happen that I don't even know about, but you do. Father, cause me to know your way. Um, falling, falling away. Um, the... The falling away um, also can come from not taking care of bitterness in my heart. A lot of stuff happens from this point through the holidays. Old offenses rise up to the surface. People are people. Remember last week, people are people. I'm a people. Old offenses rise up and if I don't learn to immediately take care of that offense, a root of bitterness begins to grow inside of me. And that will cause me to fall by the wayside. So knowing that, prepare for it. Prepare for it. Because I don't want to fall by the wayside. So, Father, let the words of my mouth, but more importantly, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable unto thee, O Lord. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. And so when people are people and that offense it happens, Lord, let me be quick to what class? Quick to forgive quick to forgive. I don't want it taking hold. Lord, when I see that person who's really done me wrong or done a family member wrong, because that's where we really take up offenses, you know, honestly, especially at this point in my life, I don't care about me. I really don't. But oh, my heart breaks for those I love intimately and I see them get. And by the way, this is another, this is another uh, thing to remember. When your children see you get hurt, assure them God has a purpose in this because children will take up offenses for parents like none other. And they will go, they will be, they will, Satan uses that to turn them away from their faith. I can't believe they treated my mom and dad that way. Or I can't believe God let that happen to my mom and dad. No, 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 no. As is a beautiful gift and responsibility on our part as parents and grandparents to assure them, to teach them, God's got a purpose in this. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Let's pray right now. And they don't see me moping around. They don't see me having a pity party. They don't see me retaliating in anger and ugliness. No, 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 no. Why? Because God is good. And God wants me to become more than this dried, shriveled-up, hardened kernel. He wants me to pop. And how does that happen? That happens when I forgive others. Be kind one to another. And nothing is more effective, dear mom, dear grandma, than when your kids, your grandkids, see you forgive somebody on purpose that they know has deeply offended you. Nothing will win them more to your faith than that opportunity. It's a big reason why God uses these situations that hurt us. No, they're for God's glory. They're not for Kathy's hurt. They're for God's glory. And that's when we so wondrously see. I mean, David's going to pray, and we're going to at the end of the lesson, I have Psalm 4 as a reference. And here's David again. you have to wait till I get there because I tied in with something else. So understand that our deliverance from falling by the wayside um, is, is to understand that bitterness is going to make me, and perhaps it's habits. I can fall by the wayside so easily with wrong habits, with not keeping good, good habits. Uh, missing, missing reading my Bible, missing memorization, missing the celebration of, of worshiping God, I fall by the wayside. Maybe it's uh, rules of protection have fallen away. You've heard me say before, I'm so grateful for parents that set up rules for me. I would not be alive today. I have no doubt about it, had it not been for my parents' rules. Um, I don't want to fall by the wayside. So 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, take heed lest ye fall. Every morning, make that your prayer, Lord, I don't want to fall today. I want to grow. I want to pop. I want to be that sweet-smelling aroma. And then um, I don't want to fall by the wayside. I don't want to be um, devoured by the great (laughs) devourer. And all along, our Father who put his spirit inside of us, whispers this, when I fail, the just falleth seven times, but what? Riseth again. Yes. God's sweet Holy Spirit says, child, come home. Come home. You have not blown it ever to the point in which I'm going to throw you away. Come home. You're my child. And then when you get to come home, you get to... Produce what he means to have produced in you. Kathy, grow. grow. Um, so secure, planted. Ye shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Maybe you're stuck as the kernel that falls into stony places. That was the other kernel that is mentioned there, the stony places. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm not rooted down. I'm easily moved. It's a hit-and-miss kind of Christianity, My name's written down in the book of life, and my name's in a Sunday school roll book, but there's so many absentee (coughs) boxes next to it. It's, it's, It's a flippancy. There's little faithfulness. Jesus says about these that fall into stony places, he says, when tribulation or persecution came. Now, that tribulation can be as trite and shallow as somebody gossiping about you. Or it can be really, really true tribulation in which there's deep rejection and persecution because of your faith. But Jesus said when, when persecution or tribulation came, <clears throat> so that's everything from misunderstandings to, and gossip to something really severe, what happened? They were offended and left, okay? They were offended and left. So many people get offended in Christianity, because people are people. <laughs> people are people. And Satan uses people who get offended to leave the faith, to leave the church, to, to leave family members, to leave their spouse, because the offense does not get taken care of. Stony places. And then there was the kernel that fell amongst the corns, uh, or the thorns, <laughs> the corn. I've got corn on my mind, okay, <laughs> along with sinus pills and a number of other medications. So, so Jesus describes the seed that fell among the thorns, and he says this would be people who are burdened with the cares of this world. Boy, we're all there. We so easily get burdened with the cares of our world, and we fall amongst the thorns. Many don't even see it as the cares of the world that keeps them from being what God intended us to be. They don't even recognize it. They just think it's life. They just label it. And God's Holy Spirit is always calling them, no, no, this isn't just life. I'm calling you out of the thorny place that you're stuck in. What is the... The thorn, the cares of this world is when I care more about what I want, what I need to do, than what God wants me to do. That's the the thorny place. When I care more about what I want to do, my schedule, my desires, my pursuits, my way, when I care more about my, my way than I care about God's way, and I choose my way, I'm in a thorny place. When what I want, my want tour, we've talked about our want tour in Sunday school, what I care about, when it doesn't match up with God's, it will take me to a thorny place every time. This is what Jesus asked me to care about. He says, Kathy, will you care about what I care about more than what you care about? It's a question that is asked to you and me every day as our day begins. Kathy, care about what I care about. It changes the tone in which I respond. It changes my plans as plan B and plan C come into place. You just all celebrated Thanksgiving, uh, many of you with a bunch of people. Didn't plans change? Plans change. Plans change. What was your response? When, when people didn't get home, when they were supposed to get home, and you just spent four hours working on a wonderful dinner, and not everybody arrived on time, what, what's the response? Well, that's a good response. (laughs) Heat it up. That's why we have microwaves. But so often, instead, I fall into a thorny place, and I can live offended, and I can live a martyr because things did not go, ready, my way. They went God's way. They went God's way. What an opportunity to show others Christ. When people who are people know that they're people and they know that they failed and they walk in and they're ready for the barrage or the cold shoulder or for the lecture or for the judgmental, blah, blah, blah. And instead they get open arms. I'm glad you're finally here. Let's eat. And it's joy and it's fun. Everybody fails. Everybody's a people. And the opportunities we have on a daily basis to show Christ are huge, but we don't use them. Shame on us. Shame on us. So when I care more about what God tells me to care about, and this is it. And and here's, again, is a Kathyism. If it's not eternal, it's not important. If it's not eternal, it's not important. And God says, would you please learn to care, Kathy, about what's eternal? What's eternal? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God even puts an order in there for me because I'm such a slow learner. He says, Kathy, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things that you care about, I'm going to add them to you. But they're going to be in the right order so that they don't become an odor. You're to become corn, a sweet-smelling savor that will draw others to me. Oh, what opportunities we have. So... Care about what Jesus cares about. What, about. what about agendas? He says, Jesus says, exchange what you care about for what I care about. And then you're going to grow. You're going to start producing that which I intended you to be. Um, on Friday after Thanksgiving, Grandpa, my husband, your pastor, did a really fun thing there were we were all together at Tina's and it was just it was just a taste of heaven it was it was so beautiful and and on friday and, and my dear husband always makes things fun he has from the first date we went on he's just beautifully wired that way and um, he said all right all right everybody here everybody here we are going we are going out on black friday Is that what it's called, Black Friday? Okay. And he says, you've got, we're going to go to two, maybe three stores. And we are going to have a time limit. You get 15 minutes in the store and you get this amount of money. Okay. So he did it up to all of us. So we all climb into two cars, head for what is only available up in Prudenville, Houghton Lake. Tractor supply. (laughs) Walmart. And is it Dunham's? I think it was Dunham's, yeah. Those three. And and they're basically all together too. Well, we hit Walmart first. And honestly, nobody was there. Nobody was there. It was like 10 30 in the morning. And Tina says, Mom, nobody even gets up until one in the afternoon around here, you know. I said, Nobody's here. So we did Walmart. Then we went to Dunham's. Well, Dunham's was a different story. And as soon as we went in, and all the grandkids are there and and they're all going in, the line was like 15 people back. There were two registers. And the lines were 15, 16 people back. So I said, okay, here's the plan. Grandma's going to stay in the line. I'm just going to, you get your treasures, come up to Grandma, I'll buy them. So they they all took off, you know. I was in line for maybe Donna two minutes, 15th person back. Um, Actually, I had gotten a little bit closer than that. But the one of the two registers stopped working. Oh. All right. All right. It was my line. I am famous for getting in the wrong line. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with that, I thought, wow. Now in my flesh, in my heart, I really wanted to get back because we had a lot we had a lot of games and we're a big game family and and I didn't want to we did not want to go shopping in the first place, but it was a fun thing that grandpa was doing, you know, and so <laughs> you're participators. And um, I went, oh, great. And I went, no, this is God's time. So I kind of just turned around to the person behind me. It was a gentleman. He's probably 60 years old. And I I looked in his basket, and he had bullets, gun gun bullets, you know. And I said to him, did you get your deer? Did you get your deer? Yes, ammo. Thank you, Lori. (laughs) And he said, not yet. I said, "Well, I bet you will." I said, "My grandson got an eight point yesterday. It's beautiful." And so he said, "Well, that's cool." And he said, uh, "Are you from around here?" I said, "No, we're all celebrating." I said, uh, "My my one my one daughter. I, God gave us twin daughters." And of course, when you mention God in a positive way, you get you get wonderful reactions. Ninety nine percent of the time, you just he, I said, yes, and our, our one daughter and her husband, they're the directors of Camp Kobiak. Really? He said, my ex-girlfriend went to camp there. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I am so happy to hear that. And I said, you know the camp's mission? And I realized, under you know, here's a line of people. And I got to tell him that the camp's mission is about Boys and girls, teenagers, receiving Christ because we're all sinners. And he said, yeah, I am. I said, I am too. I said, but I'm a born-again sinner. And that's what the camp's mission is all about, introducing Christ to all of these teenagers, not only for salvation, yes, so we can know we're on our way to heaven, but to live a changed life. He's standing there. He says, well, I'm Roman Catholic. And I says, this is what God has to say about that. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I said, I've got a little pamphlet here. Would you read this? When you, when you, when you take your coffee break, would you, would you read this? It's about God's love. It's not about a Baptist camp or a Baptist lady in line. It's, a, it's not about a Roman Catholic gentleman. It's about God's love and receiving it personally. And he says to me, well, you know, I I really work hard at doing good things. <laughs> God's word says good. So trained in that Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. see. And I said, I'm sure you do do good things. But you know what? It's not about what the good we do. It's about the good that Jesus did. It's what we're going to celebrate at Christmas. This is an ongoing 15-minute conversation, of course, with people all around, and I said, Gary, just promise me you'll read this, mm-hmm. and uh, and I hope you get your deer. And right then the, the line started moving, and, and we were able. And that night, again, I prayed. I said, Lord, open Gary's heart. May he read your word. It's God's word that does the work, that does the saving. We're just the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. But what a profitable time. What a profitable, eternal time mm-hmm. that so easily could have been in Kathy an irritating time. I didn't want to come here in the first place. See how, and Satan just, he's the great deceiver. Every moment of every day is God's opportunity for us to say, look at my Lord. Lord, I love you. Acknowledging him in all your ways protects us from the thorny places in every moment of our day. So Jesus asked me to exchange what I care about for what he cares about And until I on purpose make that exchange, growth doesn't happen. I'm not going to naturally be who God intended for me to be until I'm obedient to his word. That's what it all hinges on. I can want it. I can desire it. I can think it's a good thing. I can agree with it. But, girls, until I obey it, until I obey it, growth doesn't happen. The aroma doesn't come forth. I just stay stuck as a kernel. So, due to that clock and due to my foggy brain, oh this is I, I wanna I wanna tell you, I want to tell you this this illustration. It's so it's so good. It's the it's called the Great Exchange, okay? Susie trusted her father with her pearls at the age of six. It was her most treasured possession, and she played with them every day. The fact that they were fake didn't bother her. She wore them everywhere, played with them, counted them. She loved her pearls. She also loved her daddy. His business often took him away for days at a time, and the first day home would always be one of celebration. As an adult, Susie can still remember the time he spent a week in the Orient. And when he finally returned, they had a whole afternoon together, just together. As he put her to bed, he asked her this question, Do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, I love you more than anything. More than anything? Yes, more than anything. He paused for just a moment, and he said, More than the pearls? Honey, would you give me your pearls? (gasps) Oh, Daddy, I couldn't do that. I love my pearls. Oh, I understand, he he said, and he kissed her goodnight. As she fell asleep, she thought about this request. And when she awakened, she thought about it some more. It was on her mind that morning and later that day, and finally that night, she went to him with her pearls. Daddy, I love you more than these. Here, you take them. I'm so glad to hear that, he said. Standing and opening his attache case, I brought you this gift. She opened the small flat box and gasped, pearls, genuine, Our Father wants to give us what is genuine. And we so easily clutch and hang on to what's fake and temporal. And God says, no, 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 no. Do you love me? Keep my commandments. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then the kernels begin to pop. In closing, here's another interesting fact about corn. First of all, each kernel of corn on a cob is like an individual embryo in a human womb. Each shares similar DNA, but because they are related, they are all separate. And Indian corn comes in a multitude of colors. It's not a variation in the process of growing. Their color is not different blends. Their color is just what their genes indicated they would be. This is amazing. And there's a whole bunch more, but I'm going to skip it because I want you to get the point of this and the fact that the colors on the Indian corn. Now, your moments of your day are on purpose, for a purpose. And they come in all colors. Some moments are prettier than others. Wouldn't you agree? The moment I sat down to eat the giant corn balls at our Thanksgiving table, that was a beautiful moment. I'd been smelling them in the oven. They're my grandma's recipe, and we all use it, corn balls. And uh, Indian corn has all these different colors. And if I were to have my way, my flesh, would just pick out my favorite moments, like my favorite colors, and I would want to just live in those favorite moments. Like, Lord, I like the moment of yellow. It's my favorite color. It's autumn's favorite. Lord, just let me live in the yellow. Or I like orange, too, Father. I would like to live in yellow and orange moments. Thank you. <laughs> but, dear class, I would never find out. I would never know how good my God if I did not understand the purpose of those other colors in my day, those other moments. I would never know God's sufficiency. I would never know God's strength, Jenny. I would never know him because it requires this one thing to live in the moments that are not yellow or orange. It requires this. Ready? Faith. It requires faith to live in those other moments the dark kernels, the moments that feel like night and go on forever, that's when I find my Father's strength. That's when I find his sufficiency. Matter of fact, at least I find joy that I didn't think was possible in those dark moments. It's the gift of God's spirit that dwells inside of us. Now, David, the point that I wanted to take you to at the beginning of the lesson is this. He writes about this, and the irony is he even references corn in what I'm going to tell you. In Psalm chapter 4, he says, in one of his darkest times, he's fleeing, he's hiding in a cave. Saul wants to kill him. He's got a few faithful men, and you talk about being an influence in a dark time. This is what David writes. David says, Thou hast put gladness, in my heart more than in the time when the corn and the wine were increased. Now, the corn and the wine, that's symbolic of abundance. It's your Thanksgiving table, okay? No, God, I've got more gladness hiding out, shivering in this cold cave, not knowing if I have the next five minutes. But I've got more gladness in my heart because I know that you are in charge of my times. This time is from you on purpose for your purpose. God, I have more gladness in my heart right now than I had when I was sitting in the palace at my Thanksgiving table. Wow. That's what you and I get to experience. When we, by faith, take a dark kernel and say, God. This does not make me happy, so use it to make me holy. Make it, make it so that it, it shows you in me. You know how he ends this prayer? I love this about David because he was all about sharing his faith. He says, Lord, let the light of thy countenance shine upon. And, and get the picture. They're in darkness. They're in darkness. Not just darkness literally environmentally, but darkness in their mind and in their spirit because they think in the next 10 minutes they're going to be murdered. He says, God, shine the light of your presence. Let them see who you are. is that beautiful? That's our prayer, girls, with the dark kernels. Don't run away from your dark moments. Live for God in them. Honor God in them. And know a gladness of a heart that is only from God. My dark moments are my opportunity to lace on the shoes of faith and walk it and prove it. Okay, I have you for two more minutes. I'm gonna take advantage of it. Prove it. Will the bridge fall? His dad built cotton gins for the Murray Gin Company in West Texas. We lived in a little town that was near a branch on the Brazos River. In the summertime, there wasn't enough water in that river to rust a shingle nail. But when it began to rain in the wintertime, you could float a battleship. One year, the heavy flood washed out the wooden bridge on which the Santa Fe Railroad crossed the river. They replaced it with a steel bridge, and when they completed it, they brought the two locomotives, stopped them on the top of the bridge, tied down both of the whistles, and all of us who lived in that little town knew for sure that something was happening. We ran down to see what it was, all 23 of us. (laughs) When we got there, one of the braver citizens shouted out to the engineer, What are you doing? The engineer replied, We're testing the bridge. The man asked, Why? Do you think it's going to fall down? That engineer drew himself up to his full height and said, Of course not. We are proving it won't fall down. For the same reason, Jesus was tested in the wilderness to prove that you and I have a Savior who could not sin. The Lord Jesus could not fall, and the testing was given to demonstrate that. Dear class, we go through testings all the time, not so that we fall, but to prove that we won't fall. I love this from Second Peter 1.10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling, that's your purpose, and election, that's what we have, sure. The word sure means to prove. For if ye do these things, it's the proving of it, ye shall never never fall. The proving of it. Matthew 19.26, with God all things are possible. That means our God is the God of the impossible. You are the God of the impossible. We We should be aware of it. He takes us a hard little kernel and he gives us salvation. And he grows us. And he puts within us the spirit from himself so that we shine, so that we pop, so that we can live with an aroma in a world that stinks, so that we can live as light in a place of darkness, so that we have all the opportunities of standing in line and talking to a man named Gary who desperately needs Jesus and being that light. The question is, will I? Will I? The growth, spiritual growth from colonel to cob. Number one, put God first, Matthew six thirty three. Number two, purpose to witness about your salvation in this next month if God gives us a month. And number three, plan on applying your faith. And that is where you get to, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen and amen. God bless you as you strap on those shoes of faith.